0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. In this, his last segment from the camping and Christmas sermon, Pastor Elliot looks again at John chapter 1 verse 14. Today we will see that Jesus was sent so that we could see God's glory perfectly displayed as the blend of grace and truth. And
1: now, Pastor
0: Robert Elliott.
1: And the word became flesh and pitched his tent amongst us and we beheld his glory. Christmas. I mentioned before that beholding with the naked eye the glory of God before the first Christmas was lethal or toxic. If you go with me to Exodus 33, Exodus 33 is an interchange between Moses and his creator, the God Almighty. In Exodus 33, starting at verse 18, we read the following. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Moses wanted to see God's intrinsic, eternal perfections with his naked eye. Then Moses said, I pray you to show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim my name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen. God is spirit, and those who would worship him would worship him in spirit and truth. So God is using some figures of speech that describe a human body to help us understand himself. And basically, he told Moses, who said, show me your intrinsic eternal perfections. I want to see them. God says, you can't see them and live. You can't see my perfect wrath and live. You can't see my perfect justice and live. You can't see my perfect holiness and live. You can't see my face. But I'll put you in the rock, I'll stand you on a rock, and I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I will pass by you and I'll let you see what's on my back, my love, my mercy. Oh, it was a very big deal when God the Son, the Word of God became flesh and pitched his tent amongst us. I'd like us to see two blessings. The second blessing we're going to see is, of camping and Christmas, is that having God's grace and truth delivered to us in an understandable way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ being called the only begotten, it means the one and only. The one who is loved like none other is loved. Jesus Christ is loved by the Father as none other is loved. He is the only begotten of the Father. This is from the Father. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father. The truth emphasized here is that Jesus Christ didn't just go to earth, Jesus Christ was sent to earth. Forty-one times in this Gospel of John, the word sent is used to describe the son's special relationship with his father. 41 times the Gospel of John stresses that Jesus was sent by the Father for his earthly mission of the cross. Jesus Christ brought grace and truth to earth because he was sent from his Father. Now let's talk about grace. We will be for all eternity. Let's talk about grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is being given the good we do not deserve. The warning when we're caught speeding instead of the ticket is grace. The extension on the essay or the exam that is not deserved but is granted. This is grace. Forgiveness of our sins and a home in heaven granted because of the grace and love of God and the finished work of Christ, none of us deserves it. This is grace. Jesus Christ is grace personified. You want to see what grace is? Study Christ. You want to hear what grace is? Look at what Jesus said. Jesus Christ is perfect grace, but he's also perfect truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Now let's talk a bit about truth. Truth has fallen on very hard times lately, have you noticed? In our postmodern world, it is avant-garde, it is fashionable, it is in style to deny there is anything called absolute truth. It is the anthem of the day without Christ, the people without Christ sing the anthem of the day that there is no such thing as verifiable, objective truth. And so the... Mindset of today is, it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. And what's true for me might not be true for you. People don't want truth today. People prefer things to be relative. People prefer the leeway, the wiggle room, to make a situation and have its own ethics constructed for the situation as they see fit. Well, I don't pay my full income taxes because they only misuse the taxes they receive. I'll phone in sick, although I'm not sick because I don't get paid enough when I work. I'll take life in the womb because it would inconvenience me to give birth to life in the womb, and it's really not a human, and so it goes. But truth that is situational, truth that is subjective, truth that is just my truth and not your truth, truth that is not shared truth is on shaky ground. And it's going to lead us down roads of error. I mean, think of what's happened in our lifetimes about objective truth, absolute truth. It's been redefined in so many times and ways. Crook, the word crook was redefined by Richard Nixon. Crazy was redefined by Mike Tyson. Sex was redefined by Bill Clinton. Tolerance has been redefined by the gay rights lobby. And we could go on and on. Pontius Pilate struggled with absolute and objective truth as well. When he asked Jesus, what is truth? Before he did the most cowardly and dastardly thing of sentencing to death a man that he knew was innocent. And so please hear me, truth is in fact absolute, it is in fact objective, it is in fact verifiable, it is in fact consistent correctness. If you and I were to jump out of an airplane without a parachute, we both die regardless if you think gravity is real or you don't. Truth is absolute. Two plus two equals four, whether you're a Buddhist in Japan or an animist in a jungle. At a molecular level, Water is H2O whether you know it or whether you don't. Whether you believe it or whether you don't. A lie is a lie whether you're speaking as a psychotic or as a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Look up truth in a dictionary and what ought to be there is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ beside truth because he is perfect truth. He said in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, verse 14 attributes the lovely combination of grace and truth to Jesus Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ still is full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ always will be full of grace and truth. He is magnificent. He is grace and truth. Of course, grace without truth is permissive mush, indulgence. And on the other hand, truth without grace is demanding cold policing. Some people call it tough love. Jesus is not one or the other in isolation, Jesus Christ is fully a blend, a perfect blend of grace and truth. Understanding and expectation, grace and truth, understanding and expectation. Jesus Christ is the perfect combination of grace and truth, he's the personification of grace welded together to truth. Consider some of his ministry on earth. The woman caught in adultery. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I. That's grace. Now go and leave your life of sin. That's truth. Or the woman at the well. Go and call your husband and come back. That's truth. I who speak to you am he. That's grace. Or Zacchaeus, the crooked tax collector. Zacchaeus up in a tree. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Truth. Today's salvation has come to this house. Grace. The paralytic man by the pool, the crippled man who was lowered down through the roof. Son, your sins are forgiven. Grace. I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Truth. Truth. Jesus Christ is the perfect blend of grace and truth. Have him and you have both. Lack him and you lack both. Jesus Christ, grace and truth. Grace without truth, example, would be the Baha'is. Truth without grace would be the Seventh day Adventists. Both are imbalanced. The Lord Jesus was never imbalanced. He was, and he is, and he ever shall be grace and truth in perfection. Heaven's grace and heaven's truth have kissed, and they have been delivered to us in the personal ministry and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a Christmas devotional I'd like to share with you. It's called An Unsolvable Riddle. It's written by Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost who was the Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Bible Exposition at Dallas Theological Seminary. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. An unsolvable riddle. Men have wrestled with the riddle. How can a holy God be just while justifying the ungodly? No other world religion solves this contradiction. The prophet Isaiah presents the only acceptable solution in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The prophesied child is the baby born to Mary. This child, although supernaturally conceived, Would be truly human. See Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Being fully human, Jesus represented sinners before God and offered himself as a substitute on our behalf to pay the sin debt we have incurred. While fully human, since Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb by a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, See Luke 1, verse 35. He was also the Son of God, because the one who gave himself to pay the sinner's debt was not only human, but also undiminished deity. His sacrifice had eternal value in the sight of God. The Holy God decreed alienation from himself as the penalty for sin. See Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. In the moment Adam disobeyed God, he died spiritually, and the race that sprang from him continues to be born in a state of spiritual death, incapable of removing itself from that state. What people, limited by their natural wisdom, could not solve, God In infinite wisdom provided. God solved the riddle by providing a solution that satisfied the sinner's need and met the demands of His righteousness and justice. He sent His Son, the God-man, as a substitute for sinners, and He provided full payment for sin by entering into death Himself thereby satisfying God's justice. With the sin debt paid, God receives the sinner not by overlooking his sin, for then God would be unrighteous, but by accepting his Son as a substitute who made full payment on behalf of the sinner. So God is both just and the justifier. See Romans chapter 3, verse 26. So God is both just and the justifier of the one who accepts his gift of salvation. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the justice and the mercy of your plan of salvation. Thank you that you are both just and the justifier of the person who runs to the cross and puts faith in the Son of God who died on the cross for him or her. Lord, we would pray that we would understand the magnitude of that sacrifice this Christmas and that it would shape how we celebrate the birth of Jesus, how we live the life of Jesus once saved, and how we anticipate the return of Jesus as he has promised he will One day, perhaps very soon. Thank you, Jesus, for being the answer to the riddle as to how a holy God could be just and still the justifier of the unholy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The Center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick
2: Arnett. Good morning again and thank you for having us in your homes again. And I do pray that you have had a blessed Christmas holiday. And I pray that Christ was indeed not only a part of it, but that he surrounded everything that you did during the holidays. I indicated the last time that one of the things that we know for a fact goes on during the holidays are the parties giving things that as Helen indicated uh, during our first session of Chris talking about Christmas is giving what you really don't have spending monies that are not your own you borrow and you become a slave to the bank or the lender whoever it is because you did not seriously look at what is important about christmas you forgot or you did don't know that it's about christ and not about how many new things you might receive by giving to someone who can give back to you. You know Jesus reminded us that when we have a party and I'm talking about party because around this time there's always a lot of parties going on. It says instead of inviting your neighbors who are as wealthy as you are or as fortunate as you are to have things, we should invite the poor and the needy. Because when we have parties and invite our friends, we are expecting them to do the same for us. And that's the reason why I'm not invited to parties anymore, because I don't have parties for people who can invite me back. If I have anything, it's for the needy, those who cannot invite me back. Because this is what the heathen does. They give in order to receive. But we are blessed when we give to the poor. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood. I know that there are scores of businesses and, and People who give to places like Operation In As the Salvation Army, and places like that, and I applaud them for that. That's good. That's what it should be about. It should be giving to those people who cannot give back to you so that you may receive the blessings that God has in store for you. But when you give to those who you give them a gift of say two hundred dollars and you're hoping that you get a gift of five hundred dollars back from them then according to God's word you would have received your blessings but we as believers in Christ should be looking for our blessings from God himself we want to hear him say well done
3: I think what I want to look at, too, is the stress of all of this uh, running around. Um, I think what would be good if you can have a plan A and a plan B, and maybe on plan A, look at your calendar and see if some of the parties or the getting together you can eliminate and go to what is really, really important, rather than stressing yourself and running all around trying to keep up with every invitation and be frustrated at the end of the day. And then respect your budget. Make sure before you hit the malls, you know, you only can afford, stay within your budget. And then plan B, put your most significant relationships first. Don't put Christ as your spare tire or the, in the medicine box when you need to. And all or to get out, you know some of us just see God as the last resort. Mm-hmm. when I am stressed uh january then i 'll pick up God somewhere, and we're too busy right now because we have to keep up with all the cantatas and all that, and are we really worshiping, so let 's be careful that the significant part of our relationship worshiping God, honoring God, loving and appreciating Him for who He is, and he is the center of this time of the year let's make sure we have him where he should be and then our spouses you know don't get too busy at the your job that you don't come home or with the church committees that your family don't see you or your wife or your husband and you, when you come home you're very angry or cranky and they can't approach you don't neglect the little children either or the adult children or whatever you have in your family circle because when Christmas is over and their feelings are wounded and hurt, it's going to be hard to make it up to them.
2: We can agree on this, I am sure, that Christmas is very quiet for places like the Christian Counseling Center simply because we become so busy that we don't think about are real concerns until the bills start coming in, and I said this before, in January. Now, at the end of January, we start seeing people coming in. Number one, one of the complaints that we we hear over and over is one I would say, hey, my significant other, we break up this holiday. And that is the time that Is very stressful because they remember if it happened last Christmas this year if they didn't have someone else who was very special or took the place of that individual they are very stressed and even then they can go back and start looking at situations that you know happen and they become stressed so uh, Christmas is a time when we might have lost our significant other, even in death. So this can indeed be a time of stress for many, because it is the time when we miss our significant others most than any other time. Again, thank you for having us,
1: and may you have a bless holiday a Christmas devotional for you entitled yes Lord by Dr. Joy Baker adjunct professor of Christian education at Dallas Theological Seminary and Mary said behold the bond slave of the Lord may be done to me according to your word Luke chapter 1 verse 38 nine months before our Savior's birth an angel appeared to a young Jewish girl, Mary, whom scripture describes as a virgin, engaged to a man named Joseph. Prior to that angelic visit, Mary must have felt great excitement as she anticipated her marriage. But suddenly her dreams came crashing down around her as the angel declares that she has found favor with God and is chosen to be the mother of the promised Messiah, Jesus. Mary knows immediately that this news, though wonderful in many ways, will also bring her great humiliation and suffering as people will criticize and judge her for being pregnant and unmarried. What will she do as the angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come on her and the baby Jesus will be conceived in her womb? Will her fear cause her to reject God's plan Or will her faith lead her to accept God's will? Will she be unwilling to face the rejection of many or courageously trust God as she embraces an unknown and difficult future? Mary presses through her fear, grabs hold of faith, and quietly says, Yes, Lord. She evidences that her commitment to God is central to her life for she describes herself as the Lord's bond slave. God asks each of us the same question. Will you trust your life to me no matter the cost? Will you trust your life to me no matter the cost? At this Christmas season, as a new year lies ahead, are you willing to say, Yes, Lord. No matter what other people may say or do, are you willing to accept His plan even if it includes hardship and sacrifice? Is Christ truly at the center of your life? What answer will you give as God offers you an uncertain and or a challenging future? God invites you, like Mary, to be part of his great plan. We pray together. Lord, we know that fear and faith do not coexist at the same time. And we would confess the sin of fear, where we have been fearful, accept your forgiveness to go forward in faith, to be people who would say to you, Here at the end of 2015 and throughout 2016, if you don't come for us first, people who would say to you, Lord, yes, Lord. Please make us to be yes, Lord, people. Followers of Jesus who say, yes, Lord. For we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen.
0: You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary,
1: a radio ministry of Calvary Bible
0: Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.